Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Twin Cities by Night and our third story arc, Dread. Dread is set in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, Minneapolis, and St. Paul in the hot and humid summer of 2011. Join us again and continue to follow the journey of Katow, played by Quinn, and William, played by Slavic, as they continue to traverse the dark society held within the Twin Cities. They will be joined by three new kindred, Warren, a Tremere, played by Adam, Valentine, a Nosferatu, played by Alex, and Lenny, a Nosferatu, played by Andrew. The Coterie will find themselves joined together by a sense of dread. If you'd like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. All right, Lenny. So let's cut to Lenny. We're going to kind of cut to like a day ahead of where the cor- the story currently is at. Then, you know, we'll go back to Catal and William and kind of catch up from here. But so, Lenny, you wake up and closed. Describe to us like what Lenny's haven is. I can, but I, I, I'm sure you prefer to like describe how Lenny escapes the rays of the sun. And I especially don't want to hear after you tell everyone, like, what's his first instinct when he wakes up in, in that situation? So if uh, people watch character creation session, they'll see that uh, he sleeps in a refrigerator that he dragged to the middle of the uh, one of the rivers, maybe the Mississippi, you know, um, just kind of at the deepest part of the bed. And inside of this like refrigerator, this old dingy thing, um, with the door shut and like a big like dumbbell weight sitting on his chest to prevent him from like drifting up and moving around and maybe like coming out of it. And so, as you can imagine, it's pretty claustrophobic. Um, but he kind of feels uh, like his first instinct is like, oh shit, I'm in, I'm submerged. But then after a moment, he'll realize like, okay, you know, yeah, that's right, I don't breathe anymore. And it's kind of comforting in a way, knowing that he's protected, that like, you know, he's away from everyone. And like when he first wakes up, he just takes a moment to just kind of enjoy the peaceful bliss, the sounds of the river around him, you know, the water moving and the cool coolness. Like sometimes it's biting cold, other times it's not. And just like uh, relaxing, you know, like, you know, you ever sit in a tub and just kind of just relax. It's like that. Yeah, it's like embryonic in a way. You know what I mean? Like feeling like you're surrounded, you know what I mean? By something that is caring for you. Yeah, but it, there's always that initial like panic of being like, because he's, he's still relatively new. So he still has like some of that uh, that feeling that like, you know, defaulting back to like, oh shit, I'm going to drown. But, you know, he's then he realizes right after like, no, I'm fine. And he'll like just lift the weight off, leave it in there open it up, swim up to the shore, and uh, he just kind of like uh, slowly lifts his head up out of the water, um, observing the city and the sounds, taking everything in. Uh, he enhances his senses with aspects to kind of hear and see better so that he can make sure he's not being observed as he kind of like slowly climbs out and uh, addresses himself. 
Yeah, what you actually come out to is you're the way you kind of stay at is the Mississippi National River and Recreational Area that's in Minneapolis. It's kind of like almost like a, a city park area, you know what I mean, where that is kind of taken care of. So when you slowly like come out of the water, I can almost just like it being like, you're, you know, you put it like your upper face and you activate aspects and you just kind of like are in a predatory zone for a moment where like you hear like crickets chirping you know what i mean and you hear like you can smell the algae of the river that's along the shore there and you can smell like the driftwood and and you kind of just look around and and you see you really don't see anything at the moment you just see like this park area you see like a bench that's far off actually the bench where you would sit with uh, Gerald at times when you're first embraced, you know what I mean? And sit there and look at this river and you see kind of like a couple of like park lights that are off in the distance, but the illumination doesn't break into the, 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 the camouflage of darkness that you currently have at the moment, you know, and far off, like, like maybe like, like a mile down the, 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 the shore of the river, you can kind of hear maybe some like people that might be by like a little bonfire you know what i mean a campfire out there like having a couple beers but they're definitely not within you know what i mean side of you and they can't see you at the the moment so you're pretty much secluded and you can even kind of see and i would i was going to shoot this idea to you and, and and i would like to, to know your opinion as the player i can almost also picture that where you make your haven is almost within eyesight of like where the cave, like the kind of like the, the cave system. You remember we said when you're embraced, it was kind of by the, uh, the Mississippi river. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so yeah, you're kind of like... nearby so that like one of the first things he would do after uh, like climbing out, you know, he, he's going to like immediately disguise himself um, just to kind of, uh, just in case, you know, if someone sees him, you know, the last thing pe we need is like some news report of like, swamp monster crawling out of the river or something so <laughs> yeah so he would, uh, he would use one of the first things he would do after doing that would be going to see you know like hey how y'all doing everything all right you know that kind of thing yeah let's um first i just want to become familiar with obfuscate again because you know seeing that i have a feeling that's going to be used quite a bit <laughs> from now on so the obfuscate power that you would use is mask, mask. of a thousand faces yeah. right and Rank that Manipulation performance, difficulty seven, and okay. more successes, you can be more convincing and like even impersonating other people. You just need one to kind of like Yeah. Be like and what's some your ugly dude? Yeah, what's your dice pool for that at the moment? Um, dice pool. Like six dice. Six dice? Okay. I'll just give it to you like when you first get out. You know what I mean? We won't make you roll just as initial kind of while you find your clothes and you get your 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 clothes together. One thing that I'm also curious for is how does Lenny dress you know, so in case obfuscate doesn't work or someone can break through it or, you know what I mean, like a camera or something like that to where to, to, to hide his features. Okay, so from an outsider's perspective, they would see this guy who's like completely naked, um, maybe like got some scruff and beard and like maybe a little bit of graying hair and like dingy balding and just kind of looks dirty and like gross and climbing up out of the... Uh, river with like dirt under his fingernails and just walks over to like a uh like maybe like a bush or like a patch of boulders or something where he's left like this little small pile of clothes and puts on like some jeans and like a hoodie and like a dirty old pair of boots you know just something like it just if you saw this guy like 
relaxing under like a bridge in the city, you would just immediately assume this is like some just like homeless dude. And so behind the obfuscation, do you like just keep the 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 hoodie up? You know what I mean, in case like like a camera can break the obfuscation, just so yeah. they don't see your. Yeah, okay, gotcha. All right, awesome. That's what I that's what I was wondering. Yeah, it's because it's it's kind of uh, I don't want to use the word tragic too much, but it's tragic in the way because like unlike most people, when when Lenny was embraced, who tried to cling to their past lives, Lenny was fundamentally reinvented after he was embraced. I would yeah, say yeah. that Lenny is not even like a remote, remotely through physical means and mental means is, is, is almost completely different than he was the, the, than when he was mortal, you know? He is uh, fundamentally trying to make up for what he was. Like he was kind of a brute and a bully. And so he kind of uh, sees himself as like, this is a chance for him to just do better, you know? Well, it's also like an adult who goes to college. You know what I mean? We're like people who go to college. You know what I mean? Right out of high school, there's adults who don't go in the 30s, 40s, and 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 reinvent themselves. And that I can, I almost see like Lenny's journey being like that. You know, learning to use your mind more than your, you know what I mean? Your brute and all that shit. And it's never too late, kind of thing, dude. So, but do you have anything else to cover about like your nightly routine after this before we continue? Just that, like I said, he would probably go and see like. Because the the cave complex would be nearby, so he would definitely go and like see a sire and uh, yeah. just talk to talk to Gerald for a bit, maybe, and you know, just catch up kind of thing. Like every day, kind of like a night if he's there, just nightly routine of like, hey, how's it going? Anything new? All right, you need me to do anything? Okay, I'm gonna go out and do my thing. Yeah, I can picture like the Nosferatu, like like the the cave system isn't like a headquarters for them, but it's kind of like obviously it has special meaning to you, you know what I mean? Cause that's where you're embraced and everything. But I picture like the Nosferatu, how they communicate in the twin cities being more like, yeah, you, and I have no problem with you talking to them daily, but it'd be more like vague text messages, like meet me location here. And you guys know where to meet and you could talk from there, you know, but you really at that time might not know exactly where he is and he may not know exactly where you're at, okay. but it's quick to let each other know to where you can meet up because yeah. It wouldn't have to be nightly. Just like it's one of those things where he would, on a regular basis, like connect. It's someone to connect with, and uh, someone who's not, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Because there's a reason why you guys are doing it too, especially. And we're going to cover that how things in the city are kind of like upticking. You know what I mean? A little bit. You have like this cheap piece of shit cell phone that the only reason you use is to send these text messages once in a while to Gerald, because. More than anyone, the Nosferatu clan is more cognitive of the masquerade. You know, it's the clan that's probably mostly affected by the kindred condition and have to find creative ways to get around there and also be power brokers in the city. So you get this text message and it vaguely states that it's Gerald and he wants to meet you at the bench, that, that bench that you guys first sat at when you were embraced. And that's actually, you find that once in a blue moon, he likes to sit there with you because I think yeah. he knows when he talks to you and he's about to tell you something or about to, I don't want to say task because that sounds very like you meet at a tavern kind of thing. But when he is going to do something that you think fundamentally is going to have to rely on you, he likes to do it at that spot because he knows that spot has meaning to you. And it, you know what I mean? He knows that when you're sitting there, that it brings you peace looking at the river like that. And, he, and in a way, it's a, it's a sign of respect to him. You know, if he's going to ask a favor of you, 
he's going to do it. And you know what I mean? In an environment that you're comfortable with so you can think and decide if you really want to yeah. do it or not, you know? And uh, Lenny would feel like really comfortable just, just spending time with him there, you know, every now and then. So yeah. uh, he would definitely just like, uh, kind of, that would give him like a little chip in a step, you know, like, all right, cool. Well, then we'll sit down and have a chat. So when you see, when you get that text message, you start go towards that bench. And, and like, like I said, the, the river at night is, is, is really tranquil because you can kind of the far off park lights kind of lightly reflect off of the, the river as it goes by. But there's not like a lot of light sources there. So it's like this dark body that kind of goes through. You can hear the buzzing of the mosquitoes because the summer's about to come around. You know, you could see the those milkweeds, that, you know what I mean, kind of stick up along the riverbed there. And, and you can see a piece of, of driftwood that's kind of like washed up on the shore of the river and about like 50 feet, hundred feet back from that, where the shore becomes grass and becomes this park ground. There's this metal uh, framed bench with wooden, like a wooden seat area. You know what I mean? That's been painted over and over and chipped and carved with like some young boy proclaiming his love of some initials, you know, or, or someone to that extent or someone throwing sexual offers to whoever just like, you know, carved in there with knives and, and it's bolted to like the cement slab that's in the middle of the grass there, you know, so, so no one gets up and throws the bench in the, in the river or anything like that. And as you come walking up, uh, you, you, you feel with your shoes, like you can hear how the grass is moist. You know what I mean? Like it's got a little moisture to it as your foot is stepping through it and you come walking up the slight incline of the hill and you see behind this bench is one of those park lights sitting there and you see Gerald sitting there and you see the obfuscated form of Gerald you know he's wearing like these gray slacks and he has like black loafer shoes on and he has like a blue polo shirt that's tucked in with like this black belt that 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 is within the gray slacks he has this like curly like black hair that you know he's Caucasian but he has like this curly black hair that's tightly around his head you know not like a perm you know what I mean but it has a natural curl to it where even if it's tapered you can still tell if he ever grew it out it'd be really wavy and he has these really sharp piercing gray eyes and 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 sharp eastern european like you know cheekbones and features and kind of like a a a sharp chiseled nose you know that 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 shows a sign of maybe that that's what he looked like before he was embraced but you've never you know what i mean quite broached the subject you know from talking to gerald that while he is close to you you know it took a while to to for him to be open up to you a little bit, you know what I mean? And you kind of get the sense that this is a man with a storied history before he was ever embraced, you know what I mean? And you kind of get the sense that like, he may not have lived in America his whole time, but you've, he's never came out and said it. And that this man, unlike a lot of kindred had a full life, you know, before he was embraced, you know, did a lot in his life, had experiences and, and, and stories and lessons that he learned and, so now he seems in a way a little bit wiser than maybe kindred who are older than him in the blood, you know, but he's not like sitting there like Yoda and like giving you like, you know, whatever, but you just kind of get the sense that this guy has quote unquote seen some shit before he was even there. And he's like, takes a lot of those lessons and he tries to share some with you and, and, and he tries to take them and, and, and use them being a Nosferatu. So he sees you when you come walking up and you, you, you can see he's looking in your direction. He just once pats the, 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 the spot next to him on the bench for you to sit down. Um, Lenny will approach and sit down without a word. 
And as you guys are sitting there, and there's about like two or three minutes of silence, you know what I mean? As you guys are kind of like both looking at the river, and he's like, I think I can understand why you like sitting here so much. Not going to lie, I found it particular that you were kind of drawn to this, but there's some nights where I sit here and wait for you. I think I could sit here and watch this until it's time for me to seek shelter. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the life that's within that river. I don't know if it's hearing the people and he kind of motions way down the shoreline. You know what I mean? Down there having fun. You know, a lot of cultures are founded around rivers like this. Maybe that's why our kind or some of our kind are drawn to it. Maybe it's trying to cling to our past lives, but I ramble. I suppose I should get straight to the point here. Hmm. We got word that there's a member of our clan who's going to be coming into the city. And me and Elijah... And look ahead, at him yeah. as he's saying, like, like he was looking at the river, but when he says that, just kind of turns and like gives him full attention. And he look, and he turns and he looks <laughs> at you. He's like, "It's an interesting predicament. It's kind of taboo, as we have told you, of our kind to bring over children, right? I mean, imagine if you would have been brought over as a child, and you would have had to live internally in that state. In a way, it's kind of a torture, I could imagine, or a punishment." The member of our clan who's going to be coming here is one such individual who, who against their a... monsters. We don't have too much intel on on this person who's coming. But from what we are gathering, from what Elijah has gathered from talking to representatives of this individual and the individual itself, we 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 can only fathom that it was probably a failed, what is called a mast embraced by that sect that we told you about before called the Sabbat. Either way... This individual has found a way to survive on their own in the state that they're in. Matter of fact, not only has this individual survived, this individual has garnered resources. And to be honest with you, I find it kind of respectful what they've been able to do without any kind of guidance. But in a way, I lie. Recently, they have come into the guidance of a citizen of the city. Well, a former citizen, I guess, is the term. Ophelia Juno, that Toridor that recently has, was been nominated to whip, we believe has met final death recently. Yeah. Another one, right? How many is that now? That we know of. That's two. Bugs to potty, now her. Aaron left the city. We are pretty confident that he has not met final death. And that's Aaron Whiteside, the primogen of the, the gangrel. And now no one has heard from Kimberly Harris for the last three days. We also believe that one is missing. We have not confirmed dead yet. And that's Jonathan Chase the Venture. So now we have five kindred who are either dead or missing from our city. But it doesn't stop there, Lenny. And he kind of just looks at you like with a smirk on his face, like you're not going to believe this shit look, you know what I mean? For those five that are missing, we have three more who joined our city, all the same clan. There are three more members of the Nosferat or the Melkavians now. The clan went from one strong to now five. Think they're behind it? I don't know, but we want to find out. And that's where this member of our clan who's going to be coming here tomorrow evening is going to play a critical role. This child goes by the name of Valentine, and he was good friends with Ophelia Juno. And when he first reached out to us a few days ago, he wanted to come here for blood. He believed that Roman Dunstern, the ghoul for Rita Giovanni, was responsible for her death. And in a way, we had to talk him down we had to calm him down and tell him while we would represent him and we would request for him to become to become a citizen of the city, we'd have some stipulations. 
And one of them is that he would have to be mentored by one of us. I understand. And Lenny, I believe that you're the person who should do that. I believe that it is time for you. What are you thinking, Lenny? I'm thinking that there's a lot going on and we need to be careful. Yes, we agree. We do think, though, that this Valentine individual, if wielded, could be used to shake things up. And with those results, we could find out more information than we would find normally. You want to use them to flush people out? Yes. Let's go for a walk, Lenny. And he gets up. I want to walk along the river. He'll stand and uh, come come along with him, uh, giving him a respectful distance while still keeping close, you know? Not uh, yeah. not like walking right up with him or anything like that. No, no, no. Come walk next to me, Lenny. And you see, he picks up like a little piece of like, you know, a little stick that kind of washed up on the shore. You know what I mean? And he's kind of just like tracing along the sand as he's walking, looking out the river. He's walk, he's between you and the river at the moment, you know? Yeah. This About Valentine. Kid. I know that he, Elijah is the one who spoke to him more than I. And Elijah did what Elijah does. And Elijah calmed him down. But this kid wanted to come here for blood. He wanted to come here wreaking hell and havoc for Ophelia and her death. He believes that Roman Dunstern is the cause for it. And originally he just wanted to come here to kill Roman Dunstern and then wanted to leave. But Elijah saw an opportunity to strengthen our rank, our ranks here, and add another member of our clan. Did he say why he thought it was Miss Dunstern? Supposedly Ophelia and her quarterly there were had interactions with Roman. That comes to the second part of my request, Lenny. While I respect you being secluded, and, and, and I find it very commendable, we're going to have to ask you to start interacting with this quartery and offer services on behalf of Clan Nosferatu as a delegate of sorts. I know this is a heavy burden we're putting on your shoulders. Now, are we asking you to mentor someone who has not been educated in our ways, in the Camarilla ways, but we're also asking you to be a representative of our clan to what we believe to be the two only survivors of this quartery, Katal Bren of Clan Gangrel, and William Strathers of Clan Venture, and help them get to the bottom of whatever they're looking for. And in that, you can use that to cultivate more information if you feel the need, and that's what we hope you'll do. We think something's going on in the city right now, Lenny. We have reason to believe that there's two opposing forces right now that are being manipulated by those who have resided in the city for a while now. We believe that one is the Giovanni presence in the city. We, we believe that we have yet to confirm this, but we believe that Rita, Rita Giovanni has more influence in the city than, than others are aware of. Some are aware of. We believe so though that, dirt on her. yeah, that's one thing we're going to ask. But we also think that there are some in the city who know about the influence that she has and are trying to cultivate that. But we believe there's a second, a sec, a, a, a second individual, a second group that is within here that is, that is, and direct confrontation with her at the moment. But we can't put our finger on who it is, what it is. They've been done very well to embed themselves like a tick into our city here. But we also believe that there are those of our sect who, who are manipulating this group. To what ends, we don't know. But we have to find out. And we believe that all this chaos that has been occurring is a direct result of that. Now, if you choose not to do this, I respect that. Up, stop walking when mm-hmm. he says that. Uh, reach out with my hand and put it on his shoulder and look him in the eyes and just say, you can count on me. 
and you see like you you see this like genuine smile he's not the type of person to smile a lot you know what i mean and when when he smiles you can you, it's genuine i'm not even gonna make you roll a roll you know what i mean but you know from seeing it that like this is like he's proud of you because you got to understand this is a man or a creature i guess who i mean we all know out of character did not want to embrace you weren't his first selection and he was and and he felt he was forced not forced but he the choice was taken out of his hands in a way but i think if we were to look into gerald's head right now you would be happy with this choice that he, he picked that's yeah. good i'm i'm happy to hear that lenny i really am so this is what's going to happen tomorrow elijah's going to be come here elijah and this individual valentine and i'll be here we're going to do introductions face isn't going to be here nor is the black rat they're out doing their thing. You know we're the nucleus of the group. We're not sure if we're going to make him part of the nucleus Valentine yet. We'll have to see how this all happens, okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not asking you to mentor. I'm asking you to mentor him and keep him out of trouble. But I don't expect the same results that I that Elijah had with me or that I had with you. So don't feel that you have to cultivate and make something out of this individual that they're not capable of being. Do you understand what I'm saying? But if you find potential for them to get within this inner nucleus of ours for our clan, then let us know, okay? All right. So I'll meet you here tomorrow evening around the same time, and we'll take it from there. Be careful, Lenny. Seriously, be careful. There's a reason why half that cordery is gone. Think about that every time you make a decision, okay? With that sobering comment, he'll just kind of uh, nod and say, yes, sir. All right. And you see him turn around, he just kind of like walks into the darkness, you know what I mean, of the park, as you see him trail behind. What's going on in Lenny's head with this at the moment? He's uh, he's concerned with, uh, this is a lot that's all happened like suddenly. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he's, uh, he's curious about this other Nosferatu, while at the same time being wary about, you know, this guy is like, I was out for blood, so like, is he going to be a loose cannon? Is he going to be, you know, dangerous? Like, you know, what uh, what he's going to have to look out for? So he's kind of in his his head. He's he's sitting there thinking about like, like what if you know what if he does something? You know, like he says that he needs to be kind of sort of taught like the Camarilla and all that. So what if he does something that's like bad? You know, what what am I going to do? That kind of thing. So he's he's kind of worried about uh, the potential consequences of having just some new kindred just come in and what, what it was like when he was brand new, you know, and what he did to that one kid and how, you know, someone can lose control. So he's just, all that's kind of running through his head all at the same time. Yeah. It's a, it's a, unlike like William and Ophelia and Jonathan and Catal, like, unlike all those folks, you know, who kind of were like living these, like pretend we're mortal, you know, I mean, lives and we're kind of like thrust into shit. You kind of have a leg up on it in the fact that you were groomed in a way for potentially not that like they're thinking one day we're going to have you in join a quarter and no, none like that, but you were more trained. I think train has too much of a James Bond vibe to it, but you're mentored, you know what I mean? In a way to where if you're put in the yeah. same position as these people and kind of put into the, 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 the thrust like that, that you wouldn't be so caught off guard or you wouldn't be so unprepared. Valentine. You are mm-hmm. currently right now sitting in the passenger seat of a roughly a 1990s Ford F-150. Mm-hmm. In the back of this F-150 on the hitch, there's a U-Haul trailer, probably a medium-sized U-Haul trailer that's carrying some stuff. You're on the highway coming in 
to you start seeing signs of Minneapolis on the bright green street signs that are over the interstates that start telling you the exits and how many miles to the exit kind of brings back a distant memory of childhood of being on a road trip with your parents of being seeing those signs and kind of knowing like you're going from the wilderness of America into cities and you see the overhead lights kind of like when you drive under the overhead lights on the interstate kind of takes it from dark to light and illuminates the cab of this pickup truck and then goes to dark again and one of the times as it does it you turn and you look at your servant at your ghoul who's sitting there driving this truck he has like a polo shirt on that has like maroon has white and green stripes that go along it he looks to be about 40 years old polo shirts tucked into some blue jeans that have like a brown leather belt he's wearing like construction boots he's about 510 looks to be maybe like 190 pounds kind of heavier in the gut he's kind of got a bald palette on top of his head with like dark hair that is grown on the sides has a really thick you know has a mustache you know black mustache has a set of thick rim glasses and you're looking at his hands while he's driving and you see like his hands are just like both hands are on the steering wheel and you look at his hands and his hands like clench unclench clench unclench and you see like dark hair on his knuckles and on the top of his hands that kind of like rides up his arms into the polo shirt not like super thick but on his hands you're just seeing how like the wave of the hair moves as every time his hand clenches and unclenches on the steering wheel and you look up to see his jaw and you see his jaw clenches randomly like he's like biting down and to any outsider this guy would look like a 45 year old 50 year old dad maybe maybe early grandfather you're not quite sure and there comes a moment where you're looking at him and you see him turn and he looks at you and when he looks at you and you catch you know eye contact with him you see for a second we see like a like a rebelliousness almost you know what i mean like he wants to show you that you don't have control just by looking at you and then you see a second where like that's overcome with like a slight fear and he just like kind of like goes and looks back at the road and he just kind of like sits there and looks straight at the road and as you're sitting there and you look back at the road you kind of feel this 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 slight warmness that kind of just like breezes past your cheek for a little bit and it's not the window's not open or anything like that the heat's not on in the car at all no music's playing it's just dead quiet and you just kind of feel that leave away i guess this would be a good point to ask what is going on in valentine's head at the moment as you know that right now you and your ghoul and everything that you own right now is driving into this city where this mentor of yours at one point lived and you heard about this mentor told you about via email and other means like that. Like what's going on in Valentine's head at the moment? Hmm. Uh, kind of feel like a frontiersman in a way, like I've left, I've always had a kind of turbulent life. You know, I haven't really been that done in one place for longer than a few years. Um, so now I'm kind of moving on to the next thing. I don't know, don't really know what's ahead of me, but um, I'm excited to be in a big city, I guess, and the opportunities it can bring. But I'm also very focused on revenge. Like I've done a lot of research on Dunn's turn. I'm kind of formulating plans in my head, discarding them, coming up with a new one, thinking of different ways that I can uh, figure out what's going on. I still don't know for sure what's happened to Ophelia either. Is that right? 
Yeah, yeah, you're, you you still don't know for sure. You just know you got this email, you know what I mean, saying, please come. And she always told you, you know, like the, that that summer of, it wasn't summer, it was like early spring, excuse me, between winter and spring mm-hmm. of like mentorship, you know, like when she, when she first ran into you and she would sit those long nights and talk to you about stuff, she just kind of told you like, she wanted you to come to the Twin Cities. You know what I mean? She was trying to get you to come to the Twin Cities and she was, and you didn't want to. And she would say, okay, well, when you do, if you ever do, this is how, what you have to do. And you have to reach out to this individual. And she gave you like the Elijah Benson's contact. Well, what she has is contact information, you know, so you can present yourself to the primogen. So, you know what I mean? She kind of explained to you how things work. And you know, right now that like, you know, like you're going to meet him tomorrow. You know what I mean? Well, th- you don't know that yet. I'm going to, I'm going to play that out. Sorry. But you know what I mean? You kind of understand the gist of why you're having to do what you're doing at the moment. Like in, you're going to have to meet him eventually and everything like that. So I guess I've got a little bit of anxiety as well because it's been, well, a couple of nights of driving since I got her panicked email. So I'm not really sure if she's okay. I'm just quite anxious to, and also to meet her again after so long. Ah, so like part of you is hoping like this was all just like a false alarm in a way and that she's okay. And then like, you're going to be in a new city with your friend. I get that. Like, it's Mm -hmm. almost like there might be a good that come out of it. So you're not fully coming to meet her and help her with her problem. Oh, nice. Nice. I like that. I like that a lot. So this truck is still going down on the freeway. It's about like 11 or nine at night. And you hear a, a, a chirp and there's like this cell phone that's on your ghoul, his name is Donald Randall, by the way, but okay. there's, there, he has like a cell phone that is on the side and it chirps and he picks it up and he like flips the top open and he's like, hello. And, and you, hear, you hear silence as he's driving. He's like, okay, yes. And he like closes the phone and he like clips it back on the belt and there's a second where he's sitting there driving. And it's like this like 30 second pop before he says anything. He's looking looks, at him like waiting. Yeah. And he turns and he looks at him, He's like, they want to meet us tomorrow. And he looks back at the road and then he looks back at you. They said that we have to meet them at the Mississippi National River and Recreational Area. And, and like when he looks at you, like, you know, for those of you who can't see, but my face is very stoic at the moment. He's not like smiling or anything. You just, you see this grand kind of like middle-aged dad, bod kind of guy just looking at you. And he looks back at the road. We will be at the house here soon. Good. Very good. I'll, um, Take out my own phone and turn on the the roaming mode. Go online. Just doing some IO research while he's driving. Anything you, you want to research, or you're just kind of killing time? Is that what you're doing? At the moment, I'm looking looking at the uh, old blueprints of the Minneapolis tunnel system. Yeah, you kind of are find you find out through just like normal research on there. You find like these old, like um, not old. I don't mean old like blueprints i mean like old websites you know what i mean that were probably made like in the early 2000s late 90s of like uh of the cave system and the and the prohibition tunnels that are in the twin cities where basically there are these not like sewer systems but they were geological explorative type tunnels and that were not only used at one time for like mining in a way, but where it was where prohibitionists hid stuff that was coming in from Canada and they utilized them to like move alcohol through Minneapolis and stuff like that and to store it. And it's, so it's not like secretive, but they're definitely like, they're, 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 they're areas where like a lot of citizens don't go, you know, you may get like people who are like explorative, who like want to climb down there and take a look at it and stuff like that. And they'll find it kind of crazy to see like in the thirties, forties, twenties, even the late 19th century, these were being used because some of them were mines at one time, 
and you're, you're just kind of reading through this at this time and and it kind of is like weird because there's not like major cities that have this you know like major cities have like sewer systems and obviously there's a sewer system in in the twin cities but these are like their own separate institution entity in a way does that make sense yeah yeah all right and you can actually find if you're ever curious just just seriously google twin cities tunnels or minneapolis mm. tunnels and you can find the labyrinth like, yeah yeah the labyrinth that's a, yeah the labyrinth these are like real things in the twin cities there which is kind of cool as you are driving along on this highway you and you don't know where you're going because at this point you have this 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 is a good this is a good thing that i want to explore before we even get to to your new haven and it's your goal and your relationship with your goal right Mm -hmm. we talked about this in character creation session and we know that your ghoul had particular habits that he was a sociopath right and you had he's a very bad person right he was a complete sociopath he was a murderer a serial killer and i don't mean to say that just like throwing that label there like haha he's a serial killer but he legitimately was someone who for years got away with it you know what i mean and hit his tracks well he's very methodical very distant like i said a sociopath and you found him and you conditioned him i don't want to say conditioned him but you cultivated him in a way you made him addicted to your blood you made him your ghoul and but you've always found that there's this tug between you and him he has these darker basic urges for whatever reason he has them right he he they're never going to be ripped away from him never that's who he is you either put someone like that down like a dog you institutionalize them to where they'll never see society again or they usually take their lives or they survive but who knows you know what i mean when those three things happen but right now you have fundamentally not only in a way enslaved this guy but you enslaved him in a way that's going to bring out all that stuff that is him even worse. Now you have introduced the beast to that. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and we'll cover that later. We'll, we'll talk sure. about that a little bit later. But not only that, but you're this entity that you have that follows you, that one time was your mentor, was was this guy, this this guy who believed in magic with a K, this guy who hunted the, what you were down in those forests, you know what I mean? Who brought you into his house and who kind of in a way cracked the veal of the masquerade just a little bit open wasn't aware that you were a kindred or a canine or whatever the term was but knew that you were this creature that was in this forest for like 10 years and, and took you in the one that taught you the beginning fat who who in himself just had a very tiny minute amount of knowledge when it came to necromancy or the black arts of and who used live you took to see if you really knew as much and who is now indentured to you Mm-hmm. you've never caught sight of him fully. You you have felt him a little bit. You have felt his presence. Once in a while, you've caught a glimmer of him. But you know, and I just want to state this for the future sessions, you know that this entity does not like your other, your retainer. Sure. Because it senses pain, and it, you can never really grasp what it's trying to tell you. And I'm going to show you how I communicate with it later, but it, it you get the feeling that it, this man that serves you has an impact on the other side and whatever impact that his actions on this side had follow him. And you're in in this entity who is around you, who is a mentor of sorts sees that and senses that beyond the veal. That is, that is the life, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so you, you have this weird, like, dual advisor in a way i'm going to simplify it. You have one advisor or one thing who will give you one aspect and another who does not like that. 
You know what I mean? It tries to the angel and the devil on my shoulders. Well, I wouldn't, but I wouldn't even call like this <laughs> that, in a way. But that, but this fucking you gotta think about this though, dude. This guy, this entity who has was once a man, was I mean to me, if someone knows necromancy, they're probably not a good person, right? Yeah, that's true. You the know devil, what I'm saying? Slightly more evil devil. Yeah, exactly. And it's the, the and so we're gonna explore that throughout the story, and I just kind of want to sure. like set this relationship as we go before we continue. So you get off on an exit and you feel them slowing down and you kind of look up from your phone and you see like you're on the outskirts and you don't know North from South, from East to West or any of that shit, because this is your dad in quotations. You know what I mean? He takes care of this shit. He has paid the bills for you. He has done the stuff he, he, he needed to do in that last town to hold up a facade of being normal. So attention wasn't brought upon you. And he's doing that. Now you told him, I want to move. And he started to move. He packed things. He planned things. He pushed, he got word to your herd and did all this because this man, for no matter how evil of, of a monster he is, is a man who has been able to live in society and not be seen for what he really is, right? So he has skills on how to how to do things and how to get things done without drawing attention. And that that's what he did for you to move here. So as you get off on this exit, you come upon this, older neighborhood where these homes look like they may have been built in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. And it's kind of a ran down neighborhood, you know, and it's a neighborhood where it's not like Northern Minneapolis where like African-Americans live, but this is more where like the po white trash live, you know what I mean? Of, of Minnesota. These are the type of folks you see in Fargo. These are probably ones who have of, of, of people, uh, relatives in prison and, and a good amount of these people who live in this neighborhood have meth habits, you know what I mean? And people mind their own business and they don't like want people digging in their business. So to have an old house here that you're renting and a normal white man to be moving in here by himself, he'll be left alone as long as he doesn't go snooping in others' business like that. And so that's why this area is where he chose. And as you're slowly like pulling this indescript truck with this u-haul thing in the back you roll into this older white house that looks like it's about a two-bedroom house and it has like you know looks rickety and it looks like something that would have scared you as a kid like the side paneling maybe it was white at one time but now it's more of a gray you know and you see like this front porch wooden porch that's kind of saggy on there and it's kind of like looks like it hasn't been painted in the, and snow and and rain has warped this 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 wood that's up there and you see like the concrete steps that lead up to the porch are kind of like sunk in or odd or not as even as they normally were before and there's weeds that are growing through and you see the front lawn has like a, a stump of an oak tree that might have been that was cut off at one time probably because the oak tree was dying and just has like sparse like dead grass and weeds in the front and this is like almost like a house that matches your de your demeanor and his demeanor and everything that this 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 eeriness that just like surrounds you and this avatar you chose for him uh those listening to the podcast i really wish you could see the avatar right now that uh valentine has and it is creepy and eerie and that it almost fits that distinct feeling as the truck slowly rolls up to the curb and as the engine finally stops and you hear the tick tick tick, tick as the engine is cooling down he sees hands clench the steering wheel a couple times and he looks at you and then he breathes, looks back straight, breathes, and he opens the door and he like gets out the door. And as you look, you kind of look behind, you see him walking back towards the sidewalk, you know, walks up and he's pulling keys out of his pocket like he's going to go open the door. What are you doing at this time? I pocket my phone and climb out. Kind of 
test the air, I guess, taste it a little, just to kind of breathe it in, breathe in the city air, pick up some scents. I'll um, be like, Don, start unpacking. I'm going to go have a look around. He nods his head and he just like goes back to the, the U-Haul and like opens it up. Yeah, sure. I'm going to walk around the house and just have a look around, see what else is around, like neighbors, so on, neighboring houses. As you're walking around, you kind of walk to, because there's like this chain link fence that's kind of like on the sides, not in the front, you know what I mean? But like on the sides to separate these these yards. I use the term loosely, you know what I mean? Like they look like mm-hmm. no one has given a shit about them for like a long time. And you're walking along one of the chain link fences that, and, and it's like on the other side of the neighbors. Like you're, you're like, you're, you're Valentine. You don't give a shit. You're like walking this yard, you know what I mean? And you don't mm-hmm. see lights on at all. But you see, like, like the street lights that are along the street that you parked along are kind of illuminating it. And as you're walking along looking, you see a silhouette for a second, and you stop and you look, and you realize that, like, this is your companion. We should really give him a name because I'm like, I'm tired of calling him companion because that sure. one time you had a name. So we'll call him Charles. So you see, like, Charles does this does this thing sometimes. It's not all the time, but like you know that. Charles is in distress if he tries to show himself to you. You know, usually you can feel him gently by like a warmness. Like it feels like, you know, how like when you turn on the heater in a car and you have it turned on to the vent, like you feel a little bit like pressing you. That's how it usually feels when he's, he's surrounded at you. But the moments that you like see him, like he tries to like push through you. And these are all beginner concepts. You by far are no expert at necromancy. But you realize when it takes a lot for him to push through like that. And it's not like you see him completely, like you don't see a solidified version of him, but you see, it's almost like you see when you're walking by, like, like you can, like, he's trying to come out of the shadows a little bit and you see, like, you can kind of make out his face. You know what I mean? You recognize the face of this guy. You recognize kind of like the, the creepy, like gaunt, like, like, like cheeks to someone who's lived off of like Mountain Dew and, and like nothing else and processed food. And just like the acting, you see like the, like the, 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 like kind of like disfigured nose he had a little bit and you see him reach out and you see like instead of him trying to talk you just see like a grimace and it's like this like his like lips bar back and his teeth and you see like his eyes squint shut and he like like whenever you see him do that that's like what he does and you know like he's not happy you know when you see that and for a second yeah and you you're like and you stop and you look and you know sometimes when he does that, he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to communicate with you, you know? And sometimes when he does that, like he's doing now, he'll dissipate back into wherever shadows he came from. And you feel that warmness around you. And you'll hear like a very, very, very faint whisper that only you can hear. Like Donald doesn't hear it. No one else hears it. But you just hear like this very faint whisper. And you hear like, I don't like it. I don't like it. You just hear it like repeated over and over again until finally like it just like fades away and you don't feel the heat anymore and you're left there by yourself. And you've never have heard it like that come from him. Now you have heard him say like he doesn't like like you've heard like 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 when Donald is around sometimes and sometimes oddly when like you haven't seen Donald for like a little bit or you were off doing your own thing and you hear like I don't like maybe from like from from about Donald, but you've never heard him like push through and repeat himself like he did, like I like as he did at that moment. Right. I'll kind of brush my hand over my head like I'm trying to shake him off metaphorically, and I'll just say, "Look, we this is our new home. You're going to have to get used to it." 
might be here a while. You say that you don't feel warmth or anything. You just feel like the the the, the humid air that you that you smelled, and you kind of like have figured out after like twenty years of this that like you don't think he's there. You know what I mean? Like you're not mm. quite sure, but you don't like you don't you don't know if you heard because it's always this guessing game, right? You don't quite know when you talk to him if he's listening or what. You know what I mean? It's just this weird like like relationship, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's almost like having a relationship. I can only imagine it's almost like having a close relationship with someone who speaks a completely different language and you don't know how to speak that language. You only know a couple words, they only know a couple words. Yeah. And I'll keep walking around the circumference of the house and just checking like any sheds in the backyard, any what doors there are, what the windows are like. Uh you kind of see like in the backyard of the house, you see like this old shed, but like literally like the like there's a hole in the roof of the shed, like the weight of the snow has kind of caused it to collapse, you know, and you kind of like open it up and you don't see like there's just like like this you smell mildew and you smell like like there used to be like a workbench there but there's literally like no tools there and some grass has grown through like the, the cracks in the wood on the bottom some weeds you know what i mean but there's like literally nothing and then you turn around you look you see like the back of the house there's like a screen door with another like a solid wood door up front you see like a kitchen window and then you see like a cellar like there's a cellar entry thing you know what i mean where you can open up and, and like walk down some steps and go in there if you would choose uh to do that too so it's pretty much like an older house and when you go inside you kind of see there's like this like what could be like it's probably like maybe like 1100 square feet you know what i mean it has like a very small living room it kind of has this old outdated kitchen and it kind of has like you, you you see like it doesn't even have like central air it doesn't have like ac but it has like you know heating like the wood heater kind of thing where he'd have to throw in wood you know what i mean to heat the house and like that and you see there's like old like like chopped wood that looks like it's like fucking five years old that's sitting on the side of the house that's probably going to cause more smoke than actual fire when he tries to use it in the heater you know mm. okay. and as you're walking around up and you you know you look through and you walk to the front and you see like you see like there's already like fucking 10 boxes at this point and you notice like when you giving him some of your vitae that like he's able to move better than someone normally his age would. But also though, you know, though that his build and everything is like this facade, you know what I mean? Like while he may look like dad bod guy, you know, that before he even tasted your vitae, that this dude was a predator behind that, that anyone couldn't see. And that, that was almost a disguise of sorts. Hello folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by! We hope to see you there. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. 
We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. The Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The Central District is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade. The Demon's Mirror. Thirteen Candles. Three Chronicles running through the undead veins of the City of Angels. The Esoteric Order of Roleplayers Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the Duets tag to find out more. <laughs> <laughs> 